Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Good morning, Church. Lovely to be here this, this morning. Um, as Nick said, we are doing a, a, um, a series on Jesus's, and I'm preaching on Jesus's Lord. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a big one today. Hope, hope, hopefully we'll we'll get through it. So um, because it's a big one, I'll need some help. So let's ask the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity. I pray, Father, that um, that as we ponder and as we consider and as we think about you as our Lord and King, that you would change us that you would help us to bow before you and to give us to give us the the empower us to give you everything um, and we pray lord jesus that as i um, open the scriptures this morning um, that uh, you would speak through me loud and clearly um, that anything that is of me lord jesus that you would quickly dispense of um, and i pray father that the meditation of my heart um, and the thoughts of my mind would be pleasing and acceptable to you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, um, I'm going to just try and answer a few questions. So, Nick very kindly preached on um, Jesus coming back, which I'm desperate to listen to on the podcast, but can't find it, so hopefully we can rectify it. Um, (laughs) Be there tonight. Great. Um, And last week, Jeremy um, spoke on um, Jesus is kind, and that's a very important thing to keep in the back of your mind this morning, is that Jesus is incredibly kind to us, um, and he's been kind to me in my preparation. So, um, but now we're going to talk about Jesus is Lord, and in order to explore that, firstly, we need to ask the question, what is lordship? Because it's a term that we, we use quite a lot within Christian circles, but not so much outside of that. Um, and maybe we don't really, maybe we need to think about what it is. Um, because we, sometimes we use words without actually thinking about what they actually mean. Um, and then maybe talk a little bit about what is Jesus' lordship? What does it look like? And then, very importantly, why is Jesus lord? So let's, let's look at those together. So um, I'm going to read out of Colossians 3. So if you can turn with your Bibles um, to Colossians 3, and I'm going to read from verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for all their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, I very intentionally decided to take the idea of slavery as the starting point for, um, for this exploration into lordship. Because slavery is a very loaded subject. You know, it's, it's definitely very loaded in America, and in, I think it is very loaded here in, 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 in the UK as well. Um, the whole idea of being owned 
by somebody else is quite a... It's distasteful, and it's strong, and the images we have of slavery are usually very negative. It's usually violent. There's usually a huge power, power dynamic between the master and the slave, because whatever the master wants, the slave has to do, or else face some sort of consequence. And it's interesting the word Lord in Greek is exactly the same word as master in this passage. So what it comes down to is lordship is about obedience. A slave obeys his master because if he doesn't, there are quite severe consequences. Now, in our modern age, we don't like to be told what to do. I don't like to be told what to do. And I certainly don't like to be told how to do something. That's even worse. So the idea of having to listen to somebody and to do what I'm told, oh, don't like it, really don't. And so this whole idea of lordship, being told what to do, is kind of tough. And particularly in modern times, we like to define everything ourselves. We define our own identities, even as far as defining our own genders. We define our own um, um, realities. If I want my life to be like this, I can define it like this, and I can, I can define my own morality. If I think this is good, and I want to do this, it's up to me. I, could, I can choose. And this has actually moved into our legislative systems. We define our own laws. It's no longer grounded in something apart from us. And I think in some ways, this is very liberating. But in other ways, it's very damaging. Like a little child like this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to brush my teeth. You know, sometimes we need to do things that we don't want to do because the person who's telling us actually knows best. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't make me want to do it anymore. But there's an idea there that sometimes... Obedience is good for us. James 1, verse 22 to 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in the mirror, looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James is saying, we need to not just hear the word, we need to do it. Now, when we think about masters, um, we often think of slave drivers. Now, I've, I've already brought that image into your mind, and I've done it purposefully, but I think there's something very key about how we think about the one who's telling us what to do. 
the scripture says we are slaves to the, the one we obey. Now, that's not always God. Um, Romans 6, 16. Let me just read it in more full. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. There's an idea that sometimes we obey things that leads to death. Sometimes we obey um, modern cultural expectations of how we should look. Sometimes we obey um, the consumeristic idea that we need to earn lots of money so that we can get lots of things. These things become slave masters. And they, they drive us to do more and more things, but it leads to death. The difference in, the, in the, the idea of lordship of Christ and just general lordship is that it's not just power. A lot of these, these when you think of a, a, a slave driver, he has lots of power, but he doesn't necessarily have love for you. Now, with Jesus, he has incredible love for you, so much love for you. And he has infinite power. <laughs> so there is something about him being Lord that is really, really powerful. Jesus, because he loves us, the power he came with, he came to serve, not to be served. It's a, it's a radical reversal. So even though he was creator, king of the universe, he came in a stable as a poor man, as a working man, as a carpenter. And he didn't come to rule. He came to die. And, and it's just, it's all backwards. And you think, why should we obey somebody that's all backwards? <laughs> because he's king. He is Lord. And... Um, yeah, let me just, before, before get going into too much, but Jesus is Lord of everything. I found this cool picture. Um, oh, sorry. I've, I've forgotten that I had that slide. <laughs> so, Luke 6. So, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the, tor the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete." Now, I used to live in a, in a location where um, the, the ground was um, a dolomite, which, or, which gets, when it, I think it's dolomite, it gets wet and it starts to erode away under the ground. Um, and what happens then is that there are no foundations. There's just a giant chasm underneath you. And 
big hole opens up suddenly out of nowhere, and cars disappear into roads and houses disappear into holes. And when we hear what Jesus has to say and we don't do what he says, we're building our lives on unstable ground. And what happens is a massive hole can open up in your life. If you're feeling like the ground you're standing on is a little wobbly, if you're feeling like everything is collapsing around you, maybe there's something to be listening to and putting into practice. Because sometimes we're standing on the edge. Our house is about to fall into that great big hole. Because we have not put it on a good, good foundation, haven't built it on a rock, and that doesn't make obedience any easier. It just makes it more sensible. The other thing sometimes we do is that we obey Jesus when we come to church, when we're at life group. We're listening to him when we're praying. We are um, thinking about how he's Lord when we're reading the Bible. But as soon as we go to work, go to school, wash the dishes, that's the last thing in our minds. And we compartmentalize our lives into the things that are sacred and holy and the things that are secular and are just part of, you know. And Jesus is Lord over here for church things. But Jesus isn't relevant over here, isn't Lord over here. And by doing that, we realize that half our lives are built on a rock and half of our lives are not. And that doesn't stop the house from falling down. Jesus is Lord over all of life. Everything. Everything, everything. Next slide. This picture is a picture of Warrington. As a church, we believe that we want to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington, to every part of Warrington. There was a, um, a politician, he was actually the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, and he said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. He is Lord over everything. He is Lord over all that we do. We need to be obedient to him in everything, in our work, in our budgets, in our recreation, in our thought life, in the way we eat, the way we talk, the way we sleep. He is interested in and actively involved in everything. And he wants to be Lord in everything. Because the church has made a bit of a mistake over the last 200 years. We have taken this idea of a du duality in reality, of having something that's sacred where, where Jesus is Lord, and having something that's secular where he's not involved or he's not interested. I'm trying to separate those two things out. And what we've done is we've privatized our Christianity. 
And we've lost the voice of the Christian and of God in the public sphere where education happens, where politics happens, where arts happen, where life happens. All those wonderful and dynamic things, we've said Jesus isn't interested in it, which is nonsense. It's rubbish. He wants to be there. And the way, the way he's there is through us. We prayed and worshiped this morning. We said, God, fill this house. Fill us. You carry God wherever you go. The Holy Spirit in you is Jesus in the places you are. And if you haven't submitted your knee to Jesus, then he's not Lord where you are. And where he's not Lord, there is death. You want to bring life. You want to bring life. Bring life where you are, everywhere. Only that way does this world be redeemed. The, the polar bears that are starving in Antarctica, those things will not change unless we are bringing life everywhere. The way we recycle, the way we do life, all of it needs to be under God's lordship. He's interested. He wants to be involved. He wants you to be passionate about all sorts of things. Because he's given you a mind and a heart and love for things that are different and diverse. Every one of you has got different things in you that he wants to be Lord of so that you can bring life into that area. I'm getting carried away. Um, so why is Jesus Lord? We bow in two ways. We bow first and foremost because he is the creator God. He created us. Colossians 1 verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Supremacy. He is the supreme leader. He is Lord. His authority, because he is creator, is self-evident. He created you. He knows exactly how you work, what is best for you, how you think, how you tick. He created you. And that's also why he is Lord over everything. Because he created all things. And in, in, in him, all things hold together. But it's more than that. Jesus is Lord. We bow before him as Lord because he has redeemed us. The thing is, with creation, he created us, but we chose not to obey him. Right in the beginning. Right in the beginning. We said, oh, I know you said we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't eat that fruit, but it looks nice. I'm going to eat it anyway. Disobedience was the thing that broke us. And we're all broken. We're all sinful. <laughs> there's, sometimes in me, there's so much yuck. I make stupid choices. I do bad things. I yell at my kids. I'm unpleasant. And I think, Lord, help. And so we bow before him because we don't want to obey. 
We bow before him because, oh, I don't want to do this, but I have to. And sometimes that takes so much death to self. It's the hardest thing you can ever do. Bow your knee to him. And it's tough and it's hard because there's stuff in us that doesn't want to. But he loves us. He loves us. And he went the ultimate length so that the stuff in me that doesn't want to can be cast aside. And it's so easy. It's his grace. He's done it for me. And nothing I can do to make myself want to, I just can't. But he's done it for me. And he gives me his spirit that it's miraculous. It changes the want to. It works in us, and it changes our hearts. So Romans 6 talks about this. I've got to find it. Um, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you receive at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sorry, I was in inconsistent verses, um, versions, ESV and, and NIV. But the idea is that we are now slaves to righteousness. We bow before him because he has redeemed us. Because he died for us. Because he makes us new. And the wonderful thing about that, Jesus t told his disciples um, just before he died, I think it's the next slide, um, that, that he doesn't want us to be servants, just servants, not just to obey. Let me read it and then I'll, I'll get back to it. John 15. And he's just been talking about how we abide in him, abide in the vine. And he says, from verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love one another. It's almost unheard of that a master is your friend. But this is what Jesus is calling us to. To know his business. To listen to him. And to do what he tells you to do. And it boils down to that very simple command, love one another. Sometimes we think it's more complicated, but it isn't. So we're in a very unique period of time right now. 
we can choose to bow. We choose to make Jesus Lord. Because sometime soon, everybody will bow anyway. There was an instance in Jesus' life where um, he went up a mountain with his three disciples. And he was transfigured before them. And I think we've got a picture of that. And they saw him in his glory, as he truly is, as Lord, as King. And what did they do? They fell to the ground terrified. You bow anyway. When you encounter Jesus in his glorified state, you bow anyway. You won't be able to help yourself. The scriptures say it again and again. Um, Philippians 2 says, uh, That at the name of the Lord Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, in Revelations again, it says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. There will be a time when we will bow because he is Lord by definition. But he's given us an opportunity to bow willingly, to bow out of love for him, to bow because we want to. And that's an incredible privilege and a wonderful grace. So my prayer for you guys is that we'll come before him now and bow because he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And my prayer is that you'll know him, truly know him, and that he will know you. Because Matthew seven twenty one says, no, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Be Jesus' friend. Know him. Listen to him. Obey him. Because Jesus is Lord. Therefore, Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. My little boy is learning to work, walk. And it's something he wants to do, but he needs my help. And I think sometimes we're like that. 
in life, we need to hold on to the hand of the Father. And then the, our conscious will and our conscious choice works together with his Holy Spirit. And the thing that is so impossible to do, that death to self, is made so easy as his grace abounds. So thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Lord. Help us, Lord, to acknowledge it, to live it day by day in everything we do. Help us to see those things that are not always considered spiritual things like work or study or play. Help us to see how you are using those things to bring your life. Help us to live complete and whole lives under your lordship. Help us to bow our knee because you are creator, but also because you loved us and you have redeemed us. Lord Jesus, you are Lord, and we love you, Lord. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.